Welcome to Girl Power Pod, the podcast to inspire and motivate women to feel empowered to pursue their dreams. In this first episode, I met up with Jennifer Clamp from Tech Week in New Zealand, who just recently became a parent, and we talked about the exciting future of New Zealand businesses. Tag along! Jennifer, it's great to have you here on the show. Could you please tell our listener a bit about yourself and your background? Um, so, yeah. Hi, I'm Jennifer Clamp. Um, and a bit about me. So I was born in London. Um, we moved to Washington, D.C. when I was eight and moved out here to New Zealand um, in 2004. Yeah. So almost 15 years ago now. Um, became a Kiwi in 2012. Um, it was a very proud moment. My mum wasn't going to come. I asked her um, and she said no. She was busy with board meetings and things and said to her, if, if I was getting married, would the board meeting be more important than my wedding? She said, no, of course not, darling. I said, well, I'm marrying New Zealand. That's great. Did you study before you moved to New Zealand? Uh, university, I studied psychology and biology. Uh, and that was really an interesting people generally it wasn't a combination that was very common there was any one university that you could study the two of them together um but that i guess really speaks to my interests what they were then and what they still are now Mm. yeah and you just became a mother as well yeah i just became a mum. yeah i guess that's that's now an important part of my life story (laughs) isn't it um yeah four months ago 20 weeks ago almost five months ago yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's <laughs> a new chapter in your life. Yeah, it is. And yet, this does sound a bit odd, but I kind of feel like it's always been there. I've always known that um, I wanted family one day. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. So, yeah, it is, it is a new chapter, but it feels very natural. Awesome. Could you tell us a bit about Tech Week and how that came about? Um, so actually, for, for me, that journey started uh, with a piece of research that I did when I was working at ATED, um, Auckland Tourism Events and Economic Development. And I uh, was in the innovation entrepreneurship space. Um, and they were looking at um, creating an event to showcase innovation in Auckland. Uh, and the off the back of the research that we did, basically, I ended up recommending that we build a platform instead for all of the activity that was already happening because there are already so many passionate people out there that were connected with our communities and running great events. Um, there was just poor visibility. They needed more support and they wanted to be part of something bigger. Um, so that started in 2015. And now you just finished off another Tech Week across New Zealand. 
Um, yeah, we've just finished uh, Tech Week 2018. It was a breeze for me because I went on maternity leave in mid-December and handed over to an absolutely amazing team um, that uh, have delivered 300% more than we delivered the year before um, and did an amazing job of it. So for, for myself, I actually wrote a blog post on this going into Tech Week. I actually got to just enjoy the experience of what we created with Tech Week. Um, so often you're so busy doing what you do um, that you don't get to in, enjoy the out, outcome of what you do. So... Um, yeah, I, I would liken it to um, you know having friends over for dinner. You spend all this time hosting and you don't get to enjoy the party. So this year I just got to go to the party. So Tech Week 18 was a real turning point for me personally. Yeah, so how did you feel about really getting to experience Tech Week this time around? <laughs> Sorry, my daughter's just chatting away in the background. <laughs> Um, she's like, I have an opinion on this, mum. I would say it's actually more of a reflection that we are where we wanted to be and where we needed to be. Um, in the first year we were launching tech, we said, we were saying, come be part of tech week. We don't have a brand. We don't really know what it's going to be like. Um, but we're asking you to sign up. Um, and so, I mean, we had 55 events running that first year that, that we ran. So there was a lot of, um, they put a lot of faith, um, in us to create something that they would feel okay about being part of. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, where we are this year, um, there were 540 events that happened across the entire country. Um, the goal or the pl- the kind of vision, the five-year plan um, after that first pilot year was that by this year, we'd start to see a national pride developing across the country, a pride in um, what we're doing as Kiwis um, in that innovation entrepreneurship space that we um, do come up with world-class ideas, that there are people just like us um, that are building business, really impressive businesses. Um, and uh, that our story shifts from one of isn't you know America doing great things or there's some great stuff happening in Australia and we're only small or we're far away or yeah. um, the market size isn't really you know they don't have the market size in New Zealand. We wanted to be shifting away from that conversation to hey look at all the great things that we're doing regardless of of those things that I guess you could say hold us back. But actually I think they make us who we are. Yeah. yeah, a really neat thing that came through with um, Tech Week this year was the amount of Māori, te reo Māori, that was spoken. Um, and um, this wouldn't be for all events, but um, I'd say that I'd, I'd probably see similar um, clusters of events each year over the last mm-hmm. few years. So yes, the amount of te reo Māori spoken at events and also uh, the number of female speakers on stage. Mm. That has been a real shift. Mm. And then personally for me, there was an event that I went to um, where they talked about aroha in business, love in business. Mm. Um, And this was in at Datacom. Um, So, you know, significant tech company here in New Zealand. Uh, And the 
full people up on stage. We're all leaders within their businesses. Um, and for them to use the L word, whether that was courageous or just um, changing times, was really neat to see. So this year we saw more females on stage than ever before. Why do you think that is? I think we're seeing more women on stage at events in general uh, because there's social pressure to make sure that there's gender balance. That we feel that social pressure um, means that the conversation's happening and I think that's a really good first step. Um, the tech industry has historically been predominantly male. Um, the tech industry, I think, isn't actually an industry. I mean, that's another conversation. But it's like it's you know, tech. Every company is a tech company these days. So with that, with that realization that you know it, it's not just um, you know the the website companies or the hardware and software companies that are part of this tech movement. It's actually every every company is a tech company. With that shift also comes a, there's a broader scope to um, involve more people in the conversation because that software hardware space was um, previously very male dominated. Mm -hmm. I hope that we will move from social pressure to actually choosing people to choosing people to speak because they provide a different perspective. Uh, and wanting to have different views represented um, in the conversations that we're having. Yeah. And was there any particular topics or any talks or companies that stood out a bit um, this year compared to others? Interested in following out of 2018, it would definitely be that growing conversation around ag tech. Um, we partnered um, on an event called 10 Billion Mouths. Um, I first really just love uh, the name and the intention of it, which is, you know, there's, we're going to have um, 10 billion mouths to feed on the planet pretty soon. You know, what are we going to do differently? Because the way that we're currently um, growing food isn't good for the environment and it's not sustainable. And, um, our, you know, one of our biggest exports is still... Um, yeah. primary industry yeah milk and beef and yeah. lamb um, so what are we what are we going to do to change and how can we lead the charge and it was a very real conversation that happened at the event mm -hmm. um, and there are some great companies coming out of New Zealand Sunfair Foods is one of them um, and some great thought leadership coming out of New Zealand and I guess I'm just keen to see I feel like there's momentum around that conversation now. I'm keen to see if we really can transform the industry. Mm. Um, there were some great companies um, that were also highlighted through that event. Robotics Plus is one of them. And what was neat was that the conversation wasn't really focused on individual companies. It was more around how are companies coming together to create solutions and how can those solutions then um, be taken to... Uh, other other countries other environments mm -hmm. yeah so it was a conversation of partnership as well which yeah. was neat so I guess I that's that's more my interest is in what's the shift that's happening 
um, how are we how are we leading that change? So around you know the way that we feed the world, um, and how are we working differently? So um, really taking a, a partnership approach to solve those problems. That's interesting. Is agritech something that you think we'll see more of the next coming years? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have to. We have to to survive as a country. Yeah, especially in New Zealand, needs to really change their mindset and find another way of like stand out. Yes. Not just supporting the milk and yeah, the beef industry. Yeah, and the tech industry is growing. Yeah. I believe it's our third biggest exporter. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, I think there might be a, a bit of difference of opinion whether we're th- second or third. Um, but yeah, I guess that's us as the tech industry. We like to um, we like to believe that tech could be the solution yeah. without draining the land any further. Yeah, that's cool. Feels like there is a lot that you see I can do. Like both. Uh, we're from Sweden originally. Mm. And just the, the tech industry there is quite big, obviously, there's a lot of big companies coming yeah. from Sweden. So you're seeing how New Zealand is stepping up just the last couple of years that we've been here is quite amazing. How have you seen that? What have you noticed? Um, I think people are being more aware, like they see tech um, industries as an, as an alternative, you know, like mm-hmm. they haven't really, or the interest they've been having in tech that I've been seeing is more like, okay, we tried to do something that some, someone else had already done. Yeah. And trying to make it Kiwi. Like maybe. the trade me model. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But now it's more like, okay, let's develop something new. Yeah. And I think that probably comes with confidence of the country as well. Yeah. It's starting to be, especially with Zero and yeah. know, big um, IT companies starting to stand up on and the global market. It's storytelling. Like we've told ourselves that story of number eight wire for so long that yeah. we are great at um, at finding inventive solutions, right? Yeah. Um, with very little resources, but it's now translating that conversation from yeah. um, you know fencing on the farm uh, to one that's uh, technology based and yeah. solving global problems. Cool. So one of the things that media caught on to was the opening act with our prime minister as an hologram. How did you guys pull that one off? Yeah, so um, having Jacinda Ardern open Tech Week as a hologram was it was a pretty last minute um, addition to the program, which was neat. We obviously really wanted her to open the, um, mm-hmm. the event. But Parliament was sitting that week. You never know when Parliament's sitting when you're setting your dates on setting your dates, unfortunately. Um, and so I think she went into she walked into Parliament like five minutes after the hologram had finished playing. Um, so it was neat that she was game for doing the recording. I think it was only two weeks beforehand that we recorded her. Um, the coolest thing for me is that she's walking around in it and that she's full body. When she turns to the side, you can see that she's hafu. Um, and that's one thing that, you know, having a new baby myself, having a new baby, my, baby myself and being um, a career mum, I'm really proud that we've got a PM that's the same age as me, that's pregnant, pregnant and, um, and not married. Um, She's challenging a lot of societal norms, uh, and I'm really proud to be a Kiwi with with her. And 
as our PM. Hi, my love. You are too, huh? That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it was neat too that we not only got her as a hologram, but we got her hapu as well with her beautiful belly. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. What would you say is the best of being part of Tech Week? The best part of my job is the autonomy that I had with Tech Week. Um, and that is really because I've had the opportunity to build a team and the team culture and um, set the values um, in a way that I think is important or that feels really natural to me. Um, and I think it's working. <laughs> I mean, Tech Week's been really successful so far. Tech Week, um, I guess one of the things to, to note about Tech Week and the design, with it being a platform, the whole idea is that it's democratic, that um, there's no command and control. It's, it's really something that should keep evolving naturally and serve the community that uses it. Um, and so the way that I hope I've set up the team um, should reflect that because you can't run a business one way and run a team another way. Um, and I had a, a chat with one of the team who's been with me for the last couple of years um, a few days ago about the planning that we're doing for 2019 and how excited I am for the direction that it's going in. Um, and that I couldn't, I don't think I would have come up with the, those ideas myself that we were tabling in that conversation and that's always great like um it's great to have a team that are really passionate about the same things and that can evolve yeah yeah add yeah. new ideas and new voices and, yeah, and feed off each other yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and evolve the project yeah. um and she reflected back you know that that was something that um, I'd created was um, an environment where people really felt um, a sense of ownership and really passionate about Tech Week and about its future. So I heard that you are quite an outdoorsy person. So am I. And I'm just wondering what is it about nature that you are so attracted to? Um, Actually, my daughter's name is Sky, and that is inspired by that very notion of the value of spending time outdoors and in nature. Yeah, yeah we had um, we had like twenty names. I think we'd narrowed it down from fifty to twenty, and we I was like, "Come on, we need to get it down to 10. My partner's like, "No, I need to. We need to just stop talking about it for a while because I don't know if I'm taking names off the list for the right reason anymore." And so we went for a walk and we're just, we went up for um, a walk up Mount Eden and we were talking about just how nice it was to be, um, you know, e even in the middle of the city in the trees and there's birds and grass and, you know, fresh air and the big sky above you and um, just um, how valuable we found that time in nature. Yeah. Even if it's just up, going up Mount Eden yeah. um, and said, oh, it'd be great if we could come up with a name for our daughter that reflected that. Um, and then started listing off everything that we were seeing and went and it's like, well, we can't exactly call her grass or leaf or sky. And then we went, oh, no, we could call her sky. And that name was not on the list. So the other 20 names went out the window and we ended up calling her sky. So that's how that's how I guess how important or that is an acknowledgement of that influence of being out in, in nature for both of us. Um, 
I guess that's also shows like inspiration that you get from it as well. Exactly. So. Um, I I guess there are two things actually. There's the one thing that I found really find really valuable when I'm out walking, um, which is generally what I do, or out out on the water. Um, is the view like I find that um, having a, a long view, a long vista, uh, really helps um, me unwind from the day to day and think bigger picture. Um, yeah, and also brings that inspiration as well. Mm. I feel like that perspective gives you mental perspective. Yeah, mm. the physical perspective gives you mental perspective. And the other aspect is just actually moving my body, um, and that. I guess body awareness has um, I've become more and more body aware in the last few years. This is going to sound a bit peculiar, but realizing that my body isn't here to transport my head around. My body has its own wisdom um, and that actually getting out and moving allows me to process ideas um, or process situations um, and that moving my body is a big part of actually, um, you know, having realizations or coming up with ideas and, and creativity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I fully agree. So I read a study the other day about finding your purpose in life and that if you don't know your purpose, you can't perform your best, no matter what you work with or what position you have. It's said that even if you know the purpose of the company you work for, it's more important that you know your inner purpose to be able to be successful. Is this something that you have reflected on? Do I feel like I found my purpose in life? I've definitely spent time reflecting on what it is that I am drawn to do. Um, But the way that I do that varies greatly. Um, So for me, it's, it's about creating environments in which people can thrive. But I've done that throughout my entire life when I look back since I was a kid um, but I do it in a very different way now so right now you know with Tech Week creating that platform um, starting a a new conversation I hope for New Zealand around um, tech and who we are and as creators and inventors that's that's creating an environment within the country you know one where we're thinking differently and talking differently and feeling differently whereas you know when I was younger it was about um, bringing together people that I really liked and getting giving them an opportunity to get to know each other it was like building communities of friends mm-hmm. is probably more where I spent my time but I'd think about um, the environment that I was creating and how I was, how'd bring them together and how I'd facilitate it so you know a dinner or whatever it was the drinks or the experience so that people yeah. um, actually spent time getting to know each other and got to know each other at a different level yeah. um, so, you know, that's how I used to do it when I was younger. This is how I do it now. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely that continuity. And I think that understanding, I absolutely agree that understanding what's important to you, um, the impact that you enjoy having mm-hmm. on the world around you is absolutely critical um, to being able to enjoy your work. Absolutely. It feels like a no-brainer. Um I just, I think self-reflection is just really important. Understanding your values as well mm-hmm. um, and uh, having alignment with whoever's managing you. I think that is extremely important. Um, 
and and your organization in general because I think earlier on in your career it's probably who's managing you that's important but as as your career progresses definitely um, what your organization stands for is really important mm -hmm. and when you're looking at career progression and how do you come to that realization I got it to a point for me um, when would this have been in about 2012 was it 2012 yeah about 2012 that I realized that um, what the company that I was working for stood for was really important to me mm. and I, I couldn't stay where I was I needed to move so was there like in a hard moment or did it slowly grow stronger in you there was an aha moment before then I'd been satisfied with learning like I just really enjoyed the fact that I was con I was really challenged and really learning and learning a skill mm -hmm. um, and that I could see myself improving and that was enough mm -hmm. for me in terms of career um, I knew I always had had a interest in entrepreneurship and wanted to explore that for myself again because I like this idea of being able to create an environment that I thought people would be happier in mm -hmm. in terms of work environments uh, I um, was a founding committee member for Auckland Young Professionals and I did that in my spare time mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed again I ran the event side of things so I got to decide what conversations we were having uh, yeah. um, but also then had some strategies around helping people um, meet one another and feel welcome and feel like yeah. they could be part of the community so uh, all of us as um, board members always wore big badges so you could see the board, who a board member was so when you walked in the room you knew that you could go say hi to someone but we also used to um, pick up anybody that was standing by themselves and introduce them to a group mm, so great. that yeah and just those simple things meant that we got feedback that as a networking community um, people felt um, like they could show up by themselves uh, mm -hmm. and that they always felt welcome. So changing that dynamic yeah. was was really cool. That was really neat feedback. Mm -hmm. And somebody came into work. It was a lady called Kate Billing, and she did a lunchtime talk. Um, and she talked about how in the best places to work surveys, um, over the last three years, purpose has started creeping in. Like it came out of nowhere and was pretty like in the top 20 things that are important to people at work. I can't remember the numbers, but let's say it came in at like number 17, three years before mm -hmm. the next year it was number two. And in the last year it was number one. Like it just came out of nowhere and suddenly was the most important thing for people. And the penny dropped. I, I was sat there just like it, it was quite an emotional moment for me. Um, and that, that was just a, a real turning point for me. Cause I knew in my gut that something wasn't right about yeah. the, the match wasn't there for me yeah. and the way that business was operating didn't really work for me either. Yeah. I'm like, hold on a sec. So we've got a CEO, you know, we've got managers, but they don't really make the decisions because they've got managers and, and then it's the CEO that runs the company, but he really, he doesn't run the company because the board ultimately make the decisions. And then you've got government that really limits how the company can even operate. And I'm like, who's actually making the decisions here that are affecting our customers? Um, because it feels like the people who are really making the, the big decisions are totally detached um, from the people that are being affected. 
The next step when I came back, I I knew that I needed to change work. Um, I went to I went to a recruitment consultant that actually been um, it was a headhunter. We only had one conversation. I'm definitely not the I, at that point in my career. I wasn't the kind of person that he'd usually spend any time on, but um, somebody knew him and referred him to me. Um, so I, I got like 20 minutes and I sat down and I said, I don't know what job I want. I don't know what organization I want to work for, but these are the things that are important to me. I, I want to make a real significant change for New Zealand. And the things that I'm hearing through AYP about brain drain, you know, all of our talent going offshore, um, tall poppy syndrome, um, you know, this eight wire mentality, but this whole reinventing the wheel each time somebody does something um like i really i want to i want to kill that conversation i think we can move into a much more positive space because i think new zealand's got so much more potential than that and um that's the change that i want to be part of have you got a job for me (laughs) he just rolled his eyes and said 18's recruiting go have a look that was it why do you think so many people feel an uncertainty or have a resistance or maybe a fear towards new technology? I was listening to a, a talk on change last night, actually. So this is quite an interesting conversation because I, I quite agreed with what she said. Um, change can be scary. There's a lot of scaremongering as well. And oh, there's, um, I've heard it said that we overestimate what we can achieve in a year or five years, but we underestimate what we can achieve in 10 years. Um, For a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk about the world's going to change. Robots are going to take your jobs. Um, we're all going to be eating um, t- tablets instead of eating food. Um, and and there's a bit of dramatization that this is all going to happen. And no oh, driverless cars, it's, it's all going to happen next year. Um, and for most people, they look at their lives and go, really, I can't see this happening as quickly as everyone says it, it's going to. It's probably not going to happen in my lifetime. They probably underestimate how quickly the change um, is happening or actually how much has already changed. Um, uh, there was an example, actually, it was a, an article that Francis Valentine shared just this week mm-hmm. um, about, you know, a, a robot's going to take your jobs and people yeah. saying, yeah, it's not going to happen for ages. But actually, like, if you look at the number of disputes that are settled by eBay... Um, it's something like hundreds of thousands of disputes a year that are, yeah. are done, you know, without going through the legal system. And that's just one example. So why are people resistant to it? Oh, well, it's just change, isn't it? It's having to get used to something new. Um, I think this, this scaremongering is a big one. And, and when you get that, when you get that fear, you're kind of shut down to anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, if it feels too scary, then you don't want to hear any of the conversation. Um, there are some great things. I think that's something that I hope that we've managed to get around with Tech Week. Not that it was intentional, but by choosing to focus on how you, we use technology that's good for the world. Because, yeah, there's the there's a scary side of what technology can do and what AI could end up doing. Um, but then there's the plus side of technology allows us to 
um, solve problems a lot faster, a lot cheaper, um, and solve problems that weren't solvable before. What are you most excited about when it comes to tech and how it will shape our future? Or if you look at your daughter and the world that she will be growing up in, how do you hope that tech will impact her daily life? Asking it from the perspective of what am I excited for for my daughter? In her day-to-day life, tech doesn't really feature in the foreground for me because what I really want for her is that she's living in a, a beautiful world and spending time enjoying that world around her and the natural environment and experiencing new things and um but when it when I think about the background I hope that tech will preserve help to preserve the beauty of our world um and that the when I say beauty I mean natural beauty um it's devastating how many species are dying out each year, becoming extinct each year. Mm. Um, makes me feel really sad that there are plants and animals that we have um, that have been in existence in our lives that wouldn't be in existence for her life yeah. or for her children's lives that they won't get to enjoy um, that wonderment that there's just, you know, there's there's more to nature than we'll ever know and there are more species than we'll ever, you know, that one human being will ever see in a lifetime and that we're discovering more all the time. You know, that's something that I find really exciting and I really hope that tech will be able to um, slow the, the speed of extinction and hopefully stop it. Um, but also I hope that tech will help to preserve the diversity in our population. Um, So keeping languages alive and cultures alive and um, different perspectives as well, because I think that's part of the richness of living. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So in the background, that's what I hope it preserves for her. In the foreground, I really hope that she spends time outdoors and with people and enjoying those things rather than looking at a laptop or an iPad or... Mm. I don't ever want her to get a microchip. <laughs> However her. convenient it would be to, you know, pay with her groceries with her microchip in her arm. It's just, oh, I know. It's funny. I think the closer people are to tech, probably the more um, cautious they are about it. What would you say is the biggest benefit of being interested in tech as a woman? Um, so the the biggest benefit for me, it's funny, it's only in the last few years that I've started seeing myself as a woman in business. Before I was just a person in business um, and I didn't actually see gender as a thing. Yeah. It was probably actually not until I got a bit more senior in the last, um, and probably in the last five years that I've started to observe you know what it means to be a woman in business and where there are differences between being a guy and being a woman um for me i think it's it 
I'd answer your your question from a personal perspective, which is that I have a tendency to um, kind of really survey, be looking at all of the options, be thinking about what's happening around me when I'm doing a piece of work. Um, having that interest in people, I'm always kind of thinking about the people dynamic as well. Um, I think one thing I've done consistently throughout my life since I was a teenager, a young teenager, is a lot of self-reflection. Um, um, and that, that self-awareness, I think all of those things together are really what, have, what put me in a good position as a, as a woman in business. I really think there's a shift that's happening. Um, so change management has been something that I've been interested in since I learned about organizational development at university. I think there's a real shift that's happening that's acknowledging um, that people and culture are a really important part of business. And being a woman with those interests that I've got in people and that um, the habit that I've got of self-reflection and of also, you know, as I said, surveying what's happening around me and um, having, I guess, a systems mind rather than being just focused on one particular thing, being able to take in the context of what else is happening around me. Those three things, I think, definitely will put me in put have put me in good stead to date, but actually will also really serve me going forward um, as the business environment continues to shift and change. Uh, and also, I've always been very values-led in my decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think feel that that is something that is... Well, I've definitely... I've seen that that's something that holds greater value to business mm -hmm. now than it has in the past. I think it's... Um, I think the business environment is changing and it's an environment that's going to be a lot more supportive of women doing what women do well which is giving a shit <laughs> I know guys do too but I think women just think we care yeah. in a different we, yeah we care in a different way how do you tap into an industry like tech if you don't have any experience or any role models to follow or look up to yeah like every company is a tech company so you can get into tech through any company I guess my uh, advice would be if you really like technology, um, that's probably more of a role that you're thinking of. You're like, I like, I, I want a role that works with technology. There are many different ways to do that. Like, it's not just being a coder to work with technology. So I've been a project manager. Um, you can be a designer and and work with technology. There's UX, um, UI design. Um, there are so many ways that you can work with technology. I think the first question is like, what do you what problem do you care about solving in the world? What business do you want to work for? Um, yeah, knowing your values, knowing what's important to you and knowing what problem you want to solve. Start with that. That will help you find a company that really their mission resonates for you. Um, uh, and then within that company, you know, then think about what role you want to play and, and how you want to have your day-to-day -day work um, uh, influenced by technology, how much influence you want to have over the technology the company's creating. Yeah. And so what would be your advice to someone looking to find their purpose in life? 
I was talking to a friend's daughter the other day. She's second year university and she said she was really struggling to decide what papers to take because she likes some things about some papers. She's, oh, she's enjoyed aspects of some papers and not of others. And, um, and the conversation I had with her was, you know, okay, talk me through what did you enjoy about this paper and what did you enjoy about that and what hobbies do you enjoy spending time on and we talked through it and there was something that was common um, in all the things that she enjoyed whether it was studying commerce or or international business um, or her photography mm-hmm. um, the the things that she took away from it the the perspective that she brought to all of those things was actually common mm-hmm. um, and so then the conversation was, well, it doesn't really matter what papers you take. You'll take your pleasure out of them um, from your own with your from your own perspective. Mm. Is that making sense? Like, yeah, from your own heart. What what's true to you? Yeah, and and you'll always end up okay. So, for example, um, if if it's if it's how people interact um, that really interests you, that's what you'll look at when you're studying commerce or. Um, you know, that's what you're trying to capture when you're taking your photographs. She's enjoying capturing natural conversation. Um, and so that interest actually comes through in everything that you do. Um, the trick is to actually just spend time observing and I think reflecting for yourself and saying, okay, when I, when I do this, um, what's the way that I do it that's different to how other people do it? Um, and, you know, or when I, I guess if you're spending time with friends, what, what role do you tend to play when you're in a, a group of friends? Um, or if you're, I guess, even in a job, what are the aspects of the job that you really enjoy? Like you don't have to enjoy everything. Um, but understanding that means that you can then um, start focusing on those things more and test out, okay, what if I did more of this does that make me feel happier? And you can kind of keep tweaking it. I guess this is what I've done throughout my life and my career. You know, you just keep tweaking. It's like, yep, I, you know, I've taken this idea of um, creating environments in which people can thrive. I really like doing this part of it, but I don't like doing that part of it. Great. I'm going to now see if I can find some work that allows me to do more of, you know, part B. Um, I think that's how, that's how you find what you really enjoy and what you're really drawn to is just by reflecting and experimenting. Cool. So what would your advice be to your 20 year old self or to any 20 year old? Um, you know, more than you realize, trust your intuition. That's enough. Don't worry about, don't worry about organizations and businesses and pleasing bosses. Yeah. Mm. You've already, you're already talented. Like this whole idea of studying at the bottom and working your way up. I think it really um, diminishes people, Mm. young people. They've, you've got a lot to contribute at every age. Mm. Um, And your role will never define who you are or your value or your position in an organization. You don't have to fit in, don't bother. (laughs) No one fits in. (laughs) Yeah, 
<laughs> no one fits in, don't bother. And what advice would you give to someone in their 30s? Don't work so hard. <laughs> That's my advice to people in their 30s. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Yeah. Do you feel like you have any woman in your life that you've been looking up to or someone that you can look up to today? My mum? <laughs> so cheesy. She's amazing, though. Um... Mm. Yeah. Mum, um she's a pretty impressive woman. She uh was the first female CEO of a law firm that wasn't a lawyer. Um and helped to um put that law firm on the map in London at a very young age. She was in her early 30s. She's her mission in life has always been around values and business. Um she now does a lot of work with boards. Um she she just joined the KPMG Global Board, which mm. is like um a a role that she was uh, really excited about holding. So uh she's because she really values um the direction that they're going in. So that's neat. She does a lot of coaching as well. Um, yeah, and for her, that the values in business has always been her guiding light. Uh, and she's... She set up a company, the Love and Integrity Partnership. Um, how long ago was that? 20 years ago? Mm. She was way before her time. People didn't want to talk about love and integrity in business back then. Um, but she, so she just found other ways to do it without being explicit about it. But I think now is her time because mm. people are realizing that values and integrity and and love are an important part of how we operate businesses. Yeah. So and then she's just been an amazing supporter for me. Anytime that I have any self-doubt, she starts reeling off all of my achievements <laughs> But not like, you know, well, you got a degree from blah, blah, blah. She's like, I remember you had this situation in this role and this is how you dealt with it. And I really admired how you did that and talks through the example. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. I can do this. Yeah, it's great to have a champion. Your mom sounds really inspiring. Maybe she should be on this podcast as well. As a leader, what do you think is important to think about? What a leader means, being a leader means to me is actually, um, it's a real responsibility. um, It's a, yeah, it's a real responsibility. If you're somebody in a leadership role, um, how you behave, um, your, yeah, your behavior, the things that you say, the tone that you set, the way that you engage with people is really going to influence the culture that you operate within and whether people feel like they're empowered, whether they're trusted, um, and whether they can do their best work or not. So I think you have a huge responsibility as, as a leader when it comes to any type of organization, where it's, whether it's organizing a group of people for a photo or um, leading a business. I think you can be a leader by just role modeling the behavior that you would like to see from others. 
So acting with values and um, standing up for, not standing up for people, but, um, you know, if you're having a conversation and there's somebody who's talking over another person or then not having an opportunity to contribute, you know, leadership is saying, you know, using your position as somebody who's maybe getting to contribute to the conversation to say, hey, we haven't heard from this person or they actually hadn't finished making their point. Why don't we, why don't we let them finish before jumping in? You know, I think that's leadership as well. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any tips to, um, to a woman or a man that want to get more women into leadership roles? Ask them. I, uh, I had, we, uh, there was a moxie session on women in leadership. Hayden Glass ran these conversations monthly. He stopped doing them now. Um, they're all still online as um, podcasts as well. But there was a conversation around how women have ended up in leadership roles. And um, there was a woman in the room then that's uh, very senior um, or very prominent in society now who said that every position that she's taken that's got that had got her to where she was that day, um, she had been asked to apply for it so she'd been shoulder tapped for it and that she wouldn't have necessarily seen herself in that role otherwise and I think that's probably the case for many women um we it's a big blanket statement you know whilst I think women are equally as ambitious as men we probably kind of see the next step as being something a lot closer than a, a guy would. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to see a woman in, in a position, um, it's chances are she might not have actually thought about it for herself. And the best thing to do would be to go and say, Hey, you should apply for this. That would be my recommendation. Now that's some simply good advice. Do you have any quotes or any mantras that you live by? Do you know, there was, I did this talk once at um, Move Talks and it's actually, it was, it's seven questions and it's actually seven questions that I've asked myself over the years um, that I think have set me up in my career. So like what makes me happy? If I, um, if I had all the money in the world, what would I spend my time doing? Questions like that. Um, and I answered a question at the end and it was I've always had this um, mantra of retire early, retire often. It was the only thing that people remembered from that talk. <laughs> so I guess that's one that seems to resonate for people. Throughout my career, I've always taken time out, and I've not been shy about doing so. I think I've been lucky that I've been in cultures that would accept that because I was chatting to my neighbor. She's from India and she said, taking any time out of your career is career suicide. People are just not forgiving of any gaps. Um, but I know somehow I've got away with it in the UK and New Zealand. I've always used the time for something, some sort of discovery and people seem to just accept that. Um, but I've taken good chunks, six month breaks, in my career over the years and taking that time to travel and reflect on what's important to me um, and what I've been enjoying about my work and what I haven't and what I want to do more of. And, um, you know, there's a book out there called A Hundred Year Life that says we're going to have multiple careers in our lives. We're going to have to work for longer and we're going to live for longer. Um, and I'd say that time, taking that time out for reflection and to 
reset the dial is really important. Mm. Retire early, retire often. <laughs> That's so great. I love it. So now we're down to the three last questions. What does leadership mean to you? What does leadership mean to me? Being willing to set a path and believe in it. And why do you think it's important to have female leadership? Um, so I think women are more likely to be considering the people that work for them, the environment that they're operating in, um, what they're trying to achieve, um, and bring all those considerations together in their leadership. Mm. Um, and thinking long-term as well. So what is success to you? Success is happiness. <laughs> like that's it. Um, Hmm. You know, success for me right now, having a four month old, it's, it's something I've always wanted, but the pressure's really on for work-life integration. Uh, I was really clear when we had our daughter that I didn't, um, I didn't want us to be both working jobs with her kind of slung in between us. And when I say slung in between us, I mean like, you know, he's got his job, I've got my job and we have childcare for her. Like that isn't why we have a family. So it was really important. Important for me um, that we managed to find a way to function in the world as a family, and so I think we're we're doing quite well for now. We um, we've got family time, and we split looking after her, so she's getting really good quality time with the both of us. Um, so I think that's success for me is work-life integration, finding a way for our work to be part of our lives and our lives to be part of our work. So that integration is something I think that comes um, quite naturally to me because I don't separate my work from who I am. You know, my values personally are, are represented in my work. Um, yeah, work-life integration, that's success for me. And I hope, that, um, I hope that other people feel like they can, I hope more and more people feel like they can be their whole selves. Like they don't have to be a different person at work than who they are at home. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Jennifer Clapp from Tech Week. That was all the questions I had and I've been really enjoying this conversation today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. My name is Suzanne Axelson and this was the first episode of Girl Power Pod. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a five-star rating and make sure to follow Girl Power Pod on Instagram. It would really mean a lot to me to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So please email girlpowerpod at gmail.com. I would love to get your feedback and I respond to every email. In the next episode of Girl Power Pod, I will talk to young entrepreneur Isel Kochu, who has started and sold two successful global tech businesses before the age of 24. It will be an excited episode about work-life balance and being a woman in the startup scene. Make sure to not miss out on this episode. Thanks again for listening to Girl Power Pod. 